Does the perfect track record of fulfilled Bible prophecy assure us that future prophesied events will come to pass? And if so, can that give us hope for the future? Our special guest, Dr. Mark Hitchcock, makes that amazing claim. Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My name is Nathan Jones, Associate Evangelist and Web Minister with Lamb and Lion Ministries, and I'll be filling in for Dr. David Reagan today. I want to introduce you to our special guest, Dr. Mark Hitchcock. Mark was a lawyer who felt called by the Lord to give up his legal career and enter into full-time ministry. So he enrolled in Dallas Theological Seminary, and since 1991 has been the Senior Pastor of Faith Bible Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. Mark, welcome to Christ in Prophecy, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me here. It's great to be here with you. I'll tell you, I am a longtime admirer of yours. I've known you for 10 years. I know you don't know me too well, but ever since I saw you speak at Tulsa, you've always taught the Bible from the Bible. You even got into Nephilim and UFOs and underwater continents, and I really appreciate that. You get great joy out of teaching the Bible just for what the Bible is, and that's been an inspiration to me, so I thank you for that. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, it's a great privilege to be able to do what I get to do. I thank God for it every day. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to get into your book, and it's called The Amazing Claims of Bible Prophecy. What motivated you to write it? Well, you know, as you read the Bible, the Bible's filled with prophecies. Uh, there are about 500 prophecies in the Bible that have already been fulfilled. Most people don't realize 500. that. About 500 prophecies have been fulfilled, and there are about 500 yet to be fulfilled. And of course, you, it's hard to put all those in a Bible, in, in a book. Actually, Dr. Walver did that, every did prophecy okay. in the Bible. But, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize how minute and how specific and how detailed the prophecies of the Bible really are. I mean, you just kind of think, you know, prophecies are foretold. And so what I did in the book is I've got 10 prophecies that have been fulfilled already, amazing prophecies, mm-hmm. and 10 that are yet to be fulfilled. And part of the purpose of that is, again, to show that there's, there is a God, that uh, God is involved in human history. God knows the future. But also to show that if these prophecies in such minute, specific detail in the past, Past have been literally fulfilled, that the prophecies in the Bible that are yet to be fulfilled, they will also be fulfilled literally. So you know, it's really an apologetic in many ways, I think, for our Christian faith, but also to, to demonstrate these future prophecies that haven't been fulfilled, they're going to be fulfilled just like these other ones have been that we, we see here. The Bible has a 100% track record of accuracy. You make this claim in the book, and I love this claim. And I think it actually really solidifies what what you're saying, and it brings me great hope. It says, prophecy is the most credible proof of the uniqueness and divine inspiration of the Bible. Its importance can hardly be overstated. Fulfilled prophecy validates the Bible with all its precious truth it contains. And therefore, then we can trust, Mm -hmm. and you give us a list, the nature and character of God, creation, the nature of man, salvation, the existence of heaven and hell, 100% accurate. There's no Mm -hmm. other book in existence that has accurate, detailed Bible prophecies, right? Well, that's right, and that's what sets the mm-hmm. Bible apart. You know, people may look out there and say, well, what's the difference between the Bible and the Quran or the Book of Mormon or you know, whatever book may be out there? The Bible has, I like to call it the, the, the fingerprints of God upon it because it tells the future, and, mm-hmm. and it comes to, to pass 100% accurately uh, 100% of the time. And that's what sets the Bible apart. To me, that is the ultimate apologetic for the truth of the Bible. Amen, amen. 
Well, let's get into the Bible, uh, the book, excuse me. You actually separate it into two categories. You have amazing fulfilled prophecies, mm-hmm. which there's 10 of them that you list, and you said there's 500, so right. you can do a lot more. Yeah. And then the second half is amazing future prophecies. Why did you divide the book like that? Well, again, what I wanted to show is that you have prophecies that are incredible. We're going to talk about a few of those that have been fulfilled, mm-hmm. but I wanted to, to, to use those then to kind of set the stage for these other ones. That Some of them, the future ones, seem amazing too. Yeah. And you'll say, well, I, you know, I'm not really sure I could believe that's really going to happen. Well, but if these ones in the past were 100% fulfilled, literally fulfilled, we can know that these ones in the future will be as well. So, again, it, it's kind of, uh, you know, the, these fulfilled prophecies really found, uh, form the foundation of the basis for us, believing that these future prophecies will come to pass. Well, to me, Bible prophecies, especially fulfilled Bible prophecy, is the greatest proof of God and it's the greatest proof that we could put our faith and trust in Jesus. And I love how you define prophecy. You say prophecy is history written in advance. That's right, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, let's get into your first claim. And uh, let's start uh, with uh, your, a name that needs to be uh, prophesied hundreds of years, decades mm-hmm. before it's happened. Did that really happen? Yes, there, there's a few places in the Bible where God names people long before they're born. And probably one of the greatest one of those is back in the book of Isaiah with uh, Cyrus, the Medo-Persian king. Mm-hmm. Let me just read in, in Isaiah uh, chapter okay. 44, verse 28. Um, God says, It is I who says of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and he will perform all my desire. And he declares to Jerusalem, She will be built, and of the temple your foundation will be laid. Thus says the Lord to Cyrus, His anointed, whom I have taken by the right hand to subdue nations before me, to loose the loins of kings, to open doors before him, so that gates will not be shut. So we have here in the book of Isaiah that was written 700 years before Christ. Okay. We have a prophecy about Cyrus, and he's mentioned by name. And Cyrus wasn't born until around maybe 600 B.C., probably more like 590, 580 B.C. Mm-hmm. So we have a prophecy in 700 B.C., 100 to probably 120 years before he's born, naming him by name. Now, because of that, many liberal scholars don't believe that the latter part of Isaiah was written by Isaiah. Yeah. Because they have an anti-supernatural bias. They would say, well, no one knows the future. Nobody can predict the future. So the fact that Cyrus is named here means this was written after the fact. But the whole point of this section of the book of Isaiah that God is making is that God is the one who knows the end from the beginning. (laughs) God knows the future. Mm -hmm. And not only does God name Cyrus and call him by name, and God says, I'm going to open the doors before him. So God's the one who's going to be sovereignly going out before Cyrus. But he says that Cyrus uh, will declare of Jerusalem, she will be built, and of the temple your foundation will be laid. So he's prophesying in 700 B.C. The rebuilding of the temple, and the temple wasn't destroyed till 586 over a so, hundred years before Cyrus even came on the scene, right. he prophesied about it. Yeah, he prophesies his name, and then he prophesies the rebuilding of the temple, which then presupposes it's going to have to be destroyed as well. So all of that over a hundred years before Cyrus is ever born. So again, the minute detail in the Bible, it's, it's amazing. And you can see why people who don't <laughs> believe the Bible want to get away from this and say, you know, that uh, somebody else had to write this after the fact, because if this was written in 700 BC by Isaiah, it's proof that there is a God, that he's the true God, and he knows the future. And God didn't do this just once in the Old Testament, right? Isn't there somebody else who was named other than uh, Cyrus? Yes, uh, Josiah, uh, King Josiah. He was the last godly king of Judah. In in 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse 2, there's a prophet there, a man of God. And uh, Jeroboam's the wicked king up in Israel in the northern kingdom. And he says uh, to Jeroboam, he says that there's going to be a man named Josiah. 
and then he's going to burn the, the, the bones of these false priests who are there. And it's about 290 years later that Josiah years. comes on, on the scene, and he does exactly what the prophet says. And you find that in 2 Kings chapter 23, mm-hmm. uh, verses 10 through 15. This, you know, it's fulfilled again. It's almost 300 years ahead of time. And they also prophesied not just that Josiah's name, but exactly what he do, digging right. up the bones of pagan priests and right. burning them on the altar. That's right. And there's a third one, right? Yeah, there's another one. I love this. It's my favorite one in okay. Isaiah chapter 7, again, 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Okay. Um, it tells us that the virgin will conceive, shall bear a son. His name will be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And of course, Jesus was never called Emmanuel, but it's a description of who he is. Yes. And now when Jesus is born in, in Matthew chapter 1, um, he's Emmanuel, he's God with us. So the name is given 700 years uh, before he comes on the scene. That's amazing. Well, you have another chapter. I, I wish we could go so deep in each of these chapters. These all, you know, they just blow my mind that tribal prophecy has been fulfilled with such accuracy. Well, let's go to chapter 5. And you have a prophecy many people don't believe in. It's related to Daniel 11. What is that prophecy? Well, in Daniel chapter 11, verses 1 to 35 you have about a hundred and uh, at least a hundred, some believe 135 prophecies that in are one fulfilled chapter. in 35 verses. Uh, what Daniel 11, 1 to 35 is about, it really uh, kind of chronicles for us the time when Israel's kind of in the middle and you have the, the Seleucid dynasty up in Syria to the north and the Ptolemies down in the, in the south in Egypt. And they're kind of in a ongoing battle for Israel that's in between. Israel's kind of like the buffer mm-hmm. zone between these two powers. And it's chronicling this period uh, that is uh, really the time period between the, the Old and the New Testaments and what's happening during that period of time. But it's giving, the, it's giving activities of, of, of different individuals of the king of the north and the king mm-hmm. of the south, they're called. And it's just it, it's unbelievably detailed. And again, it's 100 to 135 prophecies in 35 verses. And again, People who don't believe the Bible, don't believe in God, have an anti-supernatural bias. They say, well, there's no way this could have been written by Daniel in the 6th century B.C. This had to have been written after these things happened. And, you know, there was, there was a critic in the 3rd century named uh, Poifrey. And uh, he's one of the initial ones who came up with the idea that Daniel didn't really write Daniel in the 6th century. It was written later after the fact, after these events occurred. But if, if, if the, the listeners will just, uh, the, the viewers will just go and read Daniel 1 to 35, uh, chapter 11, 1 through 35, and the detail that's there, and understand this was written about 400 years before these events took place, it's, it, it's staggering the, the, the minute precision and detail that's in those prophecies. I went through a John MacArthur study, I believe it was the land of Israel, where he goes, history connected to verse by verse, and it took forever to get through. But the amazing fulfillment of those prophecies just, to me, blows my mind, folks. Well, we're going to pause here for a moment, and when we come back, we're going to go to take a look at the second half of Mark's book concerning amazing prophecies about the future. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our interview with Dr. Mark Hitchcock, a pastor and well-known Bible prophecy author. We've been discussing his book, The Amazing Claims of Bible Prophecy. The first half of his book and our program focus on the number of just stunning prophecies that have already been fulfilled in history with 100% accuracy. The second half of the book, which we will now consider, looks to the future at some of the amazing prophecies still yet to be fulfilled. Mark, let's start with uh, chapter 11. It's titled, Reuniting the Roman Empire. Okay, now, the Roman Empire was in the past, so how is this a future prophecy? 
Well, in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7, we have some, again, stunning prophecies that were given uh, to the prophet Daniel about world empires. Okay. And now in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar sees a great image of a man. And that the head's gold, the, the chest and arms are silver, the belly and thighs are brass, the legs are iron, and then the feet and the toes are of iron and clay mixed. And we learn from the interpretation the head of gold was Babylon, followed by Medo-Persia, followed by Greece, and then the legs of iron are the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. But the feet and the toes are made of iron and clay. Okay. And it tells us there that these ten toes are ten kings. And we know that the Roman Empire was never ruled over by ten kings. No. no so if no. every other part of this image was fulfilled exactly in history, that has to be fulfilled as well. Okay. And it says in the days of those kings is when the Messiah is going to return. Okay. So what many have seen through that, and I agree with this through the years, is that what we have is in the legs of iron the historical Roman Empire, but there's going to be a revival or a reuniting of the Roman Empire in the end times under ten rulers or ten kings. And you have the same thing in Daniel 7. You have these, these uh, there these empires are pictured by wild beasts. Yes. You have a lion and a bear and a leopard and then kind of this uh, nondescript beast, but then it has ten horns. Okay. And again, those ten horns picture those ten kings. And there something else is added. These ten horns, a little horn comes up among them. And he ends up subduing three of those horns and overtakes the whole thing. And that's, that's this coming Antichrist or world ruler. So if all the parts of this image have been literally fulfilled, there has to be a time when the Roman Empire is ruled over by ten kings and when this little horn comes up among them. So what I believe is the Roman Empire, and many others hold this as well, the Roman Mm -hmm. Empire will be reunited or revived in the end times under ten rulers or ten kings. Some have taken those ten to be ten nations. But the Antichrist who rises up among them, he's a little horn and he's an individual. So it makes sense the other horns are individuals as well to me. So I think it's ten kings. So there's going to be a Roman Empire reunited under ten rulers or ten kings, maybe some kind of a ruling committee or some kind of oligarchy that will exist. And, of course, you know, with the EU, we may see kind of the embryonic stages of that. The, the EU today is not the fulfillment of that. Okay, because some but people it, say it is, or a Mediterranean Union right. where it takes over part of Africa, but you see that more during the Ten King time period? Yeah, I think it's in the future. What okay. I think we see today is the stage being set. We okay. see kind of the build-up towards this. And again, you know, uh, um, England has just, uh, you know, departed with Brexit, Excellent. and that's, that's, that's weakened. So there, there may be a lot of twists and turns with this. You know, we don't know, again, how it's all going to come to pass, but mm-hmm. I think it's prophesied in Scriptures, so I believe it will, will come to pass in the future at some time. And it'll be interesting to see what developments take place uh, to, to make that happen. It's interesting to see the EU's reaction to Brexit. They're like doubling down. They want to get rid of the borders around the countries. And there's even talk of dividing it into 10 regions, which mm-hmm. this is fulfilled Bible prophecy. And it's happening right before our eyes. So it's, it is it's really exciting. Uh, you see a number of confederacies in the end time. Can you walk us through the timeline then for the EU? Obviously, we've got the EU together. It's mm-hmm. now probably right. You, you mentioned in your book, it's the largest economy in the world. It even is larger than the United States, mm-hmm. right? Well, how do we get from the point where we are the EU, which is weak, it's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's brittle, and to something that's strong like the Antichrist taking over the whole world? Can you give us a quick little 
prophetic timeline from mm -hmm. the EU up to the Antichrist? Well, you've got, you know, what's happening over there today and what's going to happen is, again, it's going to somehow come into some form where 10 people are ruling over it at some point in time in the future. Okay. Um, then, you know, that's kind of the first phase of it. The second phase will be this Antichrist is going to come up among them, says he's going to subdue three of those horns. So evidently three of them are going to revolt against him. He's going to get mm -hmm. rid of them. And then the others are going to give rule to him by consent. And ultimately, at the middle point of a, of a coming time of tribulation, this seven-year time in the, of tribulation in the future, he's going to take over the world and rule the world. Now, a lot of people look at that and say, well, how is the Antichrist? How is somebody from Europe going to rule the world? Mm -hmm. Again, a lot of things are going to be happening during the tribulation period. Mm -hmm. You're going to have this Gog-Magog invasion of Russia and these Islamic forces who are destroyed in the land of Israel. That will change the balance of power. Uh, there's going to be plagues in the world. A fourth of the people in the world are going to die just with the fourth seal judgment. Oh my goodness. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of shifting of, of, of things. And so, again, what we have to do is we can't always look at what's happening in our world today and interpret the Bible in light of that. We have to look at what the mm -hmm. Bible says and believe that world events ultimately will be shaped and formed to conform to what the Bible says. Well, when you look at the tribulation, it's almost a whole different world than today. The yes. fact that we get from here to almost the world being destroyed in such a quick time period is amazing. I think the rapture has a lot to do with that. Sure. With the rapture happening, and that would probably cripple the West, especially mm -hmm. the United States, with Russia and the Muslim nations pretty much destroyed from the Gog-Magog battle. Mm -hmm. Israel is now a prime nation. The Antichrist has a peace treaty with them. And so you actually divide the world into four regions, right? Mm -hmm. At that yeah, time I period. do. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I, the, the Bible calls the King of the North, North, the King of the South, the Kings of the East, and then never calls the Antichrist the King of the West. But he is heading up this kind of European, kind of Western Confederacy. So that's kind of the alignment of nations that that I see that the Bible predicts in the end. That's amazing, and we're actually seeing it all starting to come together in this day and age. Well, let's move. And again, I wish we could really do whole episodes just on each one of these. But let's get into uh, chapter 16, the coming cashless society. And before we get into it, mm -hmm. I have to apologize. Mm -hmm. We had Dr. Hitchcock on a number of years ago, and he was telling us that cell phones would actually play a part in uh, the mark of the beast. And I was like, no, I don't think so. But now I can't live without my cell phone. Most people can't. And I'm starting mm -hmm. to see that people can't buy without their cell phones. We are leaving cash behind. Is that what you believe, that in the end times we will get to a totally cashless society? And where in the Bible does it say that? Well, the Bible never says we're going to have a cashless society, but the entry okay. point kind of for this idea, this thinking is in Revelation chapter 13, where it talks about this beast uh, who is also called the Antichrist, this final world ruler. And it says that no one's going to be able to buy or sell unless they take his mark. Well, now you stop and think about that for a moment. If there's cash... People will be able to be on the black market and do all kinds of things. The only mm -hmm. way that you can control global commerce is by some kind of a cashless society. And so I think the idea he's going to control world commerce indicates to us that he's going to be able to control it through a cashless system. And that's basically you know, where we are. I mean, everybody I know under 30 doesn't ever carry any money. <laughs> yeah. I'll, be in the, you'll, you'll be, I'll be buying gas. You know, I, I pay cash for everything. But, you know, uh -huh. they'll be in there buying uh, something that's $3 and they don't have cash for it. You know, so it's interesting with the younger generation. That's the way they, they're already cashless, really, in many ways. But uh, there, there are a lot of um, very uh, practical reasons to go cashless. It prevents counterfeiting, all the disease that comes from money, can mm -hmm. dry up the drug trade. I mean, there's all oh, kinds yeah. of yeah. reasons, logical reasons, to go cashless. But I think the reason it will have to be cashless is because for one man to control the world economy, 
that you can't buy or sell unless you give homage to him. It's going to have to be some type of electronic system. And again, that's something that we see we're moving towards and moving towards very, very rapidly. Revelation 13 tells us that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark. And a lot of people said that that mark is uh, either a microchip mm-hmm. or, or a tattoo. I believe, personally, mm-hmm. it's a tattoo because John could see it. It was on That's the skin, right. not in the skin. But that without it then being tied to electronic system, the Antichrist then could cut off their money supply. Right. And there you go, you're starved. So it almost guarantees obedience. Now, we live in a time period, right, where the technology is there to actually make that happen, right? Oh, that's right. I mean, with, with yeah. phones, you know, and then, you know, you have your phone and of course it's, uh, it's your kind of your gateway to commerce. And then with that, you have your, you know, a thumbprint that goes along with that or something that identifies that makes sure that the person who's got the phone's the right person. Mm-hmm. They can do iris scans, all of that. So yeah, everything can be done from a, from a smartphone. All of that can be done. And, um, you know, I remember years ago when I was on Southwest Airlines, the first time they said, you know, Southwest Airlines is now cashless, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, that, that's where things are definitely headed. And uh, mm-hmm. again, the, the Bible never says that there's going to be a cashless society, but it says one man is going to dominate and rule the entire world economy. No one can buy or sell without his mark. I think that that um, mandates or demands some kind of a system like this that can be controlled. And mm-hmm. again, we see it happening too, really right before our eyes. Well, can you assure our folks that there is no way that they can take the mark of the beast now? We get so many emails mm-hmm. pouring in from people terrified that they might accidentally get chipped or take right. the mark of the beast. Can you give the reasons why they don't have to worry about accidentally taking the mark of the well, beast? Well, yeah, first of all, we're not in the tribulation period yet. No. The Antichrist no. is not here. Um, we mm-hmm. don't know who the Antichrist is. And, and the other thing is people, when they take the mark of the beast, are going to take it voluntarily. Yes. They're going to be giving homage to the Antichrist when they do that. So you, mm-hmm. you can't accidentally take the mark of the beast. So nothing today is the mark of the beast because the Antichrist isn't here. We're not in the tribulation period. And you can't take it accidentally. And, you know, some of these things, a national ID card or things like that, look, those may be things that provide convenience for us. We don't want to be paranoid, think everything that's coming along is leading to mm-hmm. all of that. Um, but uh, nothing, nothing we see today is, is the mark of the beast, so people can, can relax about that. And the technology isn't inherently evil. No, that's right. Technology is no, not evil. It, it's just how it's going to be used in the yeah, future. Yeah, it could so. be used for wrong. So, folks, don't be worried about taking the mark of the beast. You can't take it. It won't even happen until the middle of the tribulation, mm-hmm. right, halfway in, and the Christians will be raptured out. And speaking of rapture, let's talk about chapter 20. The day that will shock the world. I might have given it away here, but what is the day that shocks the world? Well, it's the rapture of the church. I mean, rapture. the Bible says that, uh, you know, we, we, in 1 Corinthians 15, we shall not all sleep, which means we won't all die. Not everybody's going to die. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And so not everybody's going to fall asleep. Not everybody's going to die. There's, a, there's an entire generation of people who are going to do an end run on the grave. Yes. And it's going to happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye that millions of people are going to disappear all over this earth. They're going to be caught up to be with the Lord, First Thessalonians 4.17 tells us. I mean, that's going to be the most dramatic event since the, the flood of Noah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we have no idea how that's going to change this world and shock the world. Well, do you think it's going to be secret, as some say the rapture will be, or do you think that the public will know it's going to, when it happens? Well, it's going to be yeah. secret in the sense that it's going to be sudden, and sudden. they're not going okay. to know that it's coming, but it, it's going to be anything but secret when it happens. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. millions of people disappearing all over the earth, that can't be something mm-hmm. that's secret. So, yeah, people often talk about how those of us that believe in the pre-trib rapture believe in a secret rapture. It's not going to be secret. It's no. going to be sudden, and it's going to be shocking to the world. 
uh, but it's not going to be something that's secret. It's, it's going to create, and, and I think that's going to be one of the major um, shifts in the whole world is the rapture. We have no idea what a game changer that's yeah, going to that be. Is gonna be. Of how uh, events then will align exactly as the Bible predicts. Well, when you read how horrible the tribulation will be, and we know that God has promised that believers in Christ in the church age do not have to suffer His wrath, mm-hmm. to me that gives me hope. And Dr. Reagan always calls it his, our blessed hope. Oh, yes. No, that's right. I mean, you know, one of my friends used to say we're going to get an airlift accompanied by a facelift, you know, to go be with the Lord. And uh, that's a, a great reminder for us as believers. Um, it's not uh, that we're escapists or that we somehow believe that we're so wonderful that we don't deserve to be persecuted. Mm-hmm. You know, there's persecution and there's tribulation in this world, small t, but we're exempt from tribulation, the wrath of God that's coming. And we need to be thankful for that as God's people. He's coming at any moment to call us to be with himself. Amen, Mark. That gives me a lot of hope. Thank you, sir. Amen. You know, Bible prophecy is, is, is the greatest apologetic really for the truth of the Bible because all of these prophecies in the past that have been fulfilled really with stunning accuracy uh, give us hope that the prophecies that are yet unfulfilled will be fulfilled also uh, with 100% accuracy. So it gives us hope. Uh, the Bible has a 100% proven track record of being accurate uh, in the things it predicts. And that gives you and it gives me hope that the God that we believe in is the true God, uh, that the Bible is uh, the Word of God, and that everything we read in Scripture is true. The things we read about Jesus are true. Uh, the things we read about ourselves and our, our sinfulness are true. But also the things the Bible tells us about uh, our salvation through Jesus Christ and His resurrection are true as well. So the Bible is reliable. Uh, the Bible gives us hope for our salvation. Uh, the Bible gives us hope uh, for the future. And we believe that Jesus could come back at any time. Uh, Jesus can intervene at any moment and catch his bride away uh, to be in heaven with him. And if you're watching today and you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, that's what I want you to do. My favorite verse in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.21, that says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. So if you've never trusted in Jesus, Uh, You can trust in Him now, and He will give you uh, His very righteousness. And uh, the same God who's made these predictions in the Bible that have come true with 100% accuracy, um, He is the God who will save you, and He will give you the promise that He'll wash away your sins. He'll give you the gift of eternal life. And you can can, uh, believe that promise. Uh, You can believe the great promise of Scripture that He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, May you receive that free gift right now, that pardon. Uh, that Jesus purchased for you when he died on the cross. Thank you, Mark. It's been a great blessing having you on our show. And that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope, the Lord willing, you'll be back with us again next week. Until then, this is Nathan Jones speaking for Dr. David Reagan and all of us here at Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Mark Hitchcock's outstanding book, The Amazing Claims of Bible Prophecy, can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. This is an absolutely fascinating book that features the fulfillment of one amazing prophecy after another and then provides an overview of equally amazing prophecies yet to be fulfilled. It is written in Dr. Hitchcock's down-to-earth, easy-to-understand style that is captivating and enlightening. In fact, you will find this book to be downright enjoyable. The book can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. Just give us a call at the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. 
If you call, please do so Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time. The second half of Dr. Hitchcock's book focuses on the 10 major prophecies yet to be fulfilled between now and the return of Jesus, including what he calls the day that will shock the world, namely the rapture of the church. Once again, the book can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. Just give us a call at the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. Are you living with hope in the end times? Make plans now to attend this year's annual Bible conference and banquet on July 14th and 15th. Speakers include Dr. David Reagan, Don Perkins, Pastor Glenn Meredith, Dr. Tommy Ice, Pastor Andy Woods, and Dr. Ed Heinsen. The conference will be held at the Courtyard Marriott Hotel in Allen, Texas. Put the conference on your calendar and plan to join us for an exciting two days of great Christian music, fellowship, and dynamic teaching. Register at lamblion.com today or by contacting us at 972-736-3567, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time. Hurry, seating is limited. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 